Good morning, today we'll be studying the 17th and final chapter of Hilchot Machalot Asurot. This chapter deals with different types of utensils and vessels that were used by, by Goyim, uh, food that is cooked by Goyim, uh, a couple of points about educating one's children in regards to food and uh, Kedushah and distinguishing ourselves uh, from the Goyim. And the end of the chapter will deal with different dinim, different laws regarding the isur of Baltishakitsu, of abominating uh, oneself and not being careful uh, regarding uh, one's own body. And with that, we'll begin. Halakha Aleph Perek Shiva Asar, again the final chapter of Ilchot Ma'achalot Asurot. Kedrashel leheres, shenit bashel bah basar nevela, o besar shekasim urmasim. If there is a pot, and here when we're talking about a pot, we're talking about a pot that is made out of clay that is very, very porous. So if you have a clay pot that meat of a non-kosher animal was cooked in it, or um, different worms or non-kosher, creepy, uh, crawly uh, creatures were um, were cooked in this pot, again, made out of clay that was um, very, very porous. One may not cook inside that pot kosher meat on um, on the same day. So when we say otohayom, it's unclear exactly um, what that means. It could either mean, according to Rashi, that you only have to wait until the night passes and then uh, you can cook kosher meat in that pot the next day. Um, but the Shulchan Aruch, um, the case of Mishneh Rabbi, uh, Yosef Karo says that it is not uh, simply after the night passes, rather it's 24 hours. I myself uh, am not sure exactly um, what Harambam here means, but those are the two, um, the two opinions regarding exactly what that means. Again, according to Rashi, it's either um, after the night passes and then the, same, the next day one may cook kosher meat in this pot, or... Um, According to Rabbi Yosef Karo, it's actually 24 hours. But, and if one in fact did cook kosher meat in this clay pot, that non-kosher meat was cooked in it in the same day, uh, that dish and that meat would be um, prohibited. And the reason for this is because it is um, a ta'arovet of min bemino, it seems. But in this case, since we can't estimate exactly how much not kosher meat was absorbed in the pot and then um, extracted back into the um, into the dish that was cooked in it afterwards, um, that's why the tafshil is asur. That's why the dish and the meat that was cooked in the pot is prohibited. Bishel bahmin aher But if one cooked a different type of dish in that pot or a different type of if if, for, if or if he took, cooked a whole different type of species of food um, in that pot, uh, we estimate um, whether the dish absorbed flavor from the pot or not. And the way we would do that is we would give it to a goy, for example, to taste. The Torah only forbade a pot um, in this on the same day that we know that um, a not kosher animal or a not kosher dish or food was cooked in that pot. Since the fat was already that, since the fat that was absorbed in it has not yet um, been spoiled, 
ומדברי סופרים לא יבשל בה לעולם. ברחמים established that one may not cook in this pot, may never cook um, in that pot forever. And the language of the Gemara is that gazru al eno ben yomo atu, sorry, gazru al eno ben yomo atu ben yomo. That Chachamim established that since um, we prohibit the, we since the Torah established that um, the Isur was cooked, that a that a pot that Isur was cooked in it on that day is prohibited. So in order to distance people from violating this Isur, Hamim said, one may never cook in this pot ever. Therefore, one may never purchase a Keliheres, a clay um, utensil, old clay utensils from Goyim that were used in hot or in hot and boiling water for example they can we may never take pots or um, or bowls or dishes ever that are again made out of heres even though they were glazed or layered uh, with glass or with lead but if one uh, did purchase um one of these types of pots from the Goyim and did cook in this type of pot, um, assuming he didn't do it on the same day and did it on a different day, um, a diff- on the second day from which he purchased the pot and onward, um, that dish would be, um, would be permitted because the, uh, the re- and the, because the, um, after, I think we mentioned this before, but after the, um, the Shuman is left over, um, for 24 hours in the pot, we say that it is noten ta'am lifgam. It is um, the taste that the pot absorbed um, after one day um, gives a negative taste. And in the dish, and this is something that we mentioned in Perek Tetvav, that anything, again, that gives a negative taste um, in another dish, anything that is noten ta'am uh, lifgam uh, is mutar, that dish would be permitted since the again since whatever is giving taste uh, affects the dish in a negative way someone who buys uh, different types of utensils used for a meal so for example plates or forks or spoons from goyim that are made out of metal or glass. If they were never used, if they were never used by a goy before, they, they, these utensils must be dipped in a mikveh, and then the Jew would be permitted to eat and drink with these utensils. Things that were, utensils that were used in cold water, for example, cups or flasks or other large cups, they must be washed and then dipped in the mikveh and then they would be permitted for use. Things that were used um, for hot food, for example, pots, kettles, or water heaters, 
must hagala must be done to them, and we'll see exactly what that process is. And they must be dipped in the mikveh, and then they would be permitted for use. Udvarim bahen al other utensils that were used over a fire, kion shipudin ve'askelaot, for example, skewers or spits, malbenan ba'ur achen shrar, achet nin. They must be heated until the, um, the the material is white hot and the crust, crust is burned off and then they can be dipped in the mikveh and then they would be permitted for use. And the principle for this in halakha is called kebol'o kach polto. In whatever way the food was absorbed in the utensil, that's exactly how we extract whatever was absorbed in the pot. So if it was only used for cold, you can simply wash it with cold water. If it was used for hot, they must be uh, dipped, as we'll see, Hagala um, must be done to them, which is pretty much you dip it in um, hot boiling water. And if it was used on an actual fire, they must be heated with an actual fire until, again, the crust burns off and it is made white hot. How exactly is Hagala done? As you mentioned, again, it must be hagala must be done for utensils that were used uh, for hot food. Noten yora ketana letoch yora gedola. A small pot is placed in a larger pot. And water is filled up in the larger pot until the water totally covers the smaller pot that is inside it. And it must be boiled um, to hot temperature. And if it was a larger pot that you needed to do Hag'ala to it, Makif al sefatah batsek otit umemaleah maim achiatsufu ha maim al sefatah umartiha. If it was a larger pot that you needed to dip, you can put on the on the outside rim uh, dough or clay, then fill up that pot. Uh, the larger pot itself with um, hot water until water um, comes up above the rim and then the water is heated um, to boiling and um, and then it may be permitted for use. And regarding all utensils that were used without, if one violated and violated what we said and um, and did not uh, do the proper uh, procedure for uh, making these um, utensils permitted for use, and if he, in fact, um, used the vessel before doing libun or hagala or rinsing uh, for whatever specific utensil you want to use uh, they are permitted again the food in the food that was cooked in them is permitted since the fat that was absorbed in the utensil imparts a spoiling flavor is noten tam gum and the food would be permitted as and the assumption here is that it is not binyomo is that the shuman is um, the shuman in the pot was that the, the non-kosher was not cooked on the same day that you purchased it. Um, and again, it is we assume that it is noten ta'am gam and noten ta'am gam mutar, anything that imparts a negative, a spoiling flavor on the dish would 
the dish would be permitted. This tevila that we mentioned that must be done to all of the utensils that you buy uh, from a goyim, from the from the goyim, and only after you do tevila, may they be, uh, are they permitted for use? It is not. Um, for the subject of tum'ah tahara, rather it is rabbinic. Uh, rather it, it is a rabbinic. Um, it is a rabbinic rule, um, seemingly from the time of Ezra. That's divrei soferim means rabbinic uh, institution that is pretty early, typically from the times of Ezra Sofer. Verem ezla kol davar and the Torah hints to this when it says the pasuk. Um, in Bemidbar Perik Lamed Aleph, that it says that that the I think I'll read the entire pasuk. This is in regards to uh, the utensils that were taken from the war with that the Jewish people took after the war in Midian. The pasuk, pasuk says the following: Kol davar asher yavo va'esh ta'aviru va'esh v'taher ach b'meni dayit hatta v'chol asher yavo va'esh ta'aviru b'mayin. That anything that um, was used with fire, you must. Uh, pass it through fire in order for it to be used, and only then will it be tahor. So seemingly there are two stages. There is the ta'aviru ba'esh v'taher. And, and as we'll see, because hachamim learned that, sin, that the pasuk must be speaking about this, when it says v'taher, it must be speaking about Purifying it from the Yulegoyim, from the abominable and from the its status of a of being a dish that is used by Goyim, not ha- having anything to do with Tum'ah, because um, because fire never makes something Tahor. So since the Pasuk says, There must be an additional step in this process since fire never um, makes anything tahor. So this, this um, when the Torah says that Hahamim learned that it must be talking about tevila um, and it must be talking about changing the status of the dish from after you purchase it to permitting it uh, for use um, by a Jew. V'chol ha-temein b'tvila olin mitum'atan v'tum'at met b'hazaya u'tvila v'en sham esh kelal ele le'inyan ge'ule goyim v'chevan shekatu v'taher amru ha-hamim hosef lo tahara achar avirato v'esh l'hatiro m'ge'ule goyim that all things that are tameh they um, they rise out of their tum'ah status only through tevila, and tevila is acquired through contact through contact with a corpse. is removed after um, after hazaya and tevila. The hazaya that we're talking about here is sprinkle is the sprinkling of the ashes of the water and the para aduma um, in order to. Um, Clean in order to purify it from its tumat met status, and fire, um, and the only yes, the only instance that fire is referred to in the case of vessels that are used 
with cooking of goyim. And since the to- pasuk says v'taher, hahamim reasoned that the Torah must be implying must be implying an additional act of cleaning. Um, that cleaning would be um, tevila after it is passed through the fire, which would um, now free the, this utensil or vessel from um, its effect from its being used by goyim. Hachamim only required tevila in regards to metal utensils that were purchased from goyim. But anyone who borrows utensils from a goy or a goy um, deposits um, utensils with a Jew and had the Jew um, keep them for him. Again, this is talking about metal utensils. They should be washed or boiled, or they must be washed or um, yes, or or um, or uh, or boiled, um, and or libun must be done to them, and you don't need, to, and they may be used, and tevila would not be. Necessary again. Tevila is only required when purchasing metal um, utensils uh, from goyim. Not if you're borrowing it, or not if you are um, holding it uh, f- or saving it for the goy. So too, if one took, if one sorry purchased wooden or um, or utensil or wooden utensils or uh, stone utensils. He only needs to um, to wash them or to do. Uh, yeah, yeah. He doesn't need to do tevila for them. Aval hashurin ba'avar harehen kichle matachot ustirichin tevila. But regarding um, lead gla- lead or metal glazed utensils, they are regarded as though they are made out of metal and must be and tevila must be done to them, provided they were purchased uh, by. Um, by Goyim, from Goyim. Halakha Zayin, Halokiyah Sakin Min HaGoyim, Melabena Ba'ur O Mashhiza Barehaim Shela. One who purchases a knife from Goyim, and back in the day uh, when knives would typically have uh, le- leftover residue um, of fat um, on the knife, because they weren't, they didn't have the uh, means to clean them as well as we clean our knives today. So one who purchases a knife from a goy, libun must be done to it and must be heated until until it is, until it is white hot, um, or sharpened on a gr- on a grindstone before a Jew may use it. If it was a good and sharp uh, knife that sheenba pegimot that it was smooth all the way. Uh, on the entire knife, it is enough for one to insert it uh, in the ground uh, ten times to remove any shuman uh, or any residue that is on it, and one may eat cold food uh, with his knife after he again uh, inserts it in the ground ten times. But if it wasn't smooth and had bumps on it, um, or if it was smooth and one wanted to, and a person wanted to eat hot food 
with it or to do shahita with that knife. Libun must be done to it or it must be sharpened on a grindstone. Shahadba kodim shiitaharena mediyah mekoma shahita. If one uh, did shahita before he cleaned it in the way in the two ways mentioned uh, just a moment ago, one must wash the place where shahita was done on the animal. kalaf And if one peeled off the outer layer where the knife cut, it is praiseworthy and it's uh, a very uh, encourageable thing and it's something that is uh, is very nice and is praiseworthy. One may not do shahita with a knife used uh, that used to slaughter a terefa unless he rinses it first, even with cold water, or until he wipes it with uh, some type of rag. Halachat Now we'll get into different uh, laws that hahamim instituted in order for us not to uh, develop too close relationships uh, with goyim and intermingle with. Uh, intermingle with them, and there are two. Uh, there are a couple of different types of um, of categories of these laws. First, we'll begin with drinking, and um, yes, drinking with koyim um, in halachat tet. sham devarim aherim asruotan hahamim, and there are other things that hahamim prohibited. That even though they are not sourced directly in the Torah, the reason for these institutions were to keep the Jewish people a little bit distant from the Goyim so that they don't intermingle with them, develop close relationships with them, and end up marrying them. And this, um, and these, I think, in my opinion, these laws were absolutely genius by Hahamim to avoid uh, these situations and are absolutely um, as relevant as they were back in the day um, today. So again, these laws um, are extremely relevant for today as anyone who is living outside of Eretz Israel knows that the risk of intermarriage among Jews in, I think, the United States is over 70%. Uh, and Hahamim again, were genius in instituting these laws in order for us not to develop close relationships with the Goyim and end up uh, getting a little bit too close for comfort with them. The Eluhen and the following are the prohibitions that Hahamim made again in order to distance us from the Goyim. Asrulishtot immahen. Hahamim prohibited us to drink with them. Obviously drink here, we'll see exactly what that means. Even in a place that you would not need to suspect um, yain nesech at all. And Chachamim also prohibited for us to eat their bread or to eat food cooked by them. Even in a place that you wouldn't need to suspect for um, for gi'ulahen and Meaning that there would no, there would there even in a place that there is no concern for them using their utensils. So, for example, if a goy is in your house and they cook the food for you, um, hahamim prohibited that. And again, we'll see exactly the details of these halachot because there are a couple of ex- exceptions for each um, for each one. Halachayod kitzad. How does the first inst- prohibition apply of drinking with goyim? One may not drink alcohol in a gathering 
in a place where goyim are gathered. Even though the wine is mevushal, that yain mevushal is not prohibited. Or even if the Jew drank uh, from his own uh, from his own utensil or his own cup. If, however, the majority of the people at the gathering were Jews, it would be permitted. And it is also prohibited to drink any t- to drink their beer that is made out of dates or figs or anything of that sort. And this rule only applies in the place that the drink is sold. So for example, um, a bar. But if one purchased the, the alcohol from the goy and then brought the alcohol to his house and drank it there, it is permitted since the main point of the gezerah was for Jews not to eat with goyim. Apple wine or pomegranate wine or anything of this sort, one may drink them in any place, uh, whether it be in a mesiba of goyim or whether it be in the place that it is sold, obviously owned by a goy, as you mentioned before. Drinks that are not common, hahamim did not make a gezera regarding them. Regarding raisin wine, it is considered to be like wine and um, and is um, considered to be yain nesech. Now we'll move from wine to the topic of bread that is baked by a goy. Even though Chachamim prohibited bread from goyim, there are certain places that were not so uh, strict and we're a little bit lenient with regards to this and the reason for this uh, is in the Yerushalmi and Masechet Shevi'it Perek Het Halacha Lamed Zayin that the reason yes the reason that the, that certain places were a little bit lenient regarding Pat Goyim is because bread is the uh, most basic food item and Without bread, pretty much, it's very. It was very, very difficult for one to, um, to be sustained. And bread again was, um, as we see from the halachot, was pretty much the main food item, um, and most basic food item, back in the day. So there were certain places that were a little bit lenient, and they would purchase bread from a goy baker in a place only that there was not a Jewish baker there, or in a place that. Um, that or if you purchase the the bread from a baker um, in a bakery that is isolated in some type of field because it's a very strenuous and difficult situation. But regarding bread baked by a goy in his house, there is no one who is lenient in regards to this and everyone pretty much uh, prohibits this since the root of the Gezerah was because we don't want to develop close relationships with the Goyim and end up intermarrying with them. And if someone goes and 
purchases and eats bread at um, at a goy's home and purchases ra- bread rather from a goy uh, who sells it out of his house, he'll end up coming to um, eat with them, have a meal with them, and lo uh, alenu marry into their family. Halacha yod gimal. Hidlik hagoy et hatanur ve'afah bo Yisrael. Ol shehidlik Yisrael ve'afah goy. Ol shehidlik hagoy ve'afah hagoy. Uva Yisrael v'ni'ir ha'esh me'at. Okay, v'ashol ha'esh. Ho'il v'nishtatef b'mlechet ha'pat. Harezo muteret. If the goy lit the oven and the Jew baked bread in it, or if the Jew lit the oven and the goy break the, baked the bread in it, or if the goy both lights the oven, bakes the bread, and the Jew simply comes later and stirs the fire a little bit or uh, damps and cools the fire a little bit, since the Jew participated in the baking of the bread in some way, the bread is permitted. Even if all he did was throw in a small uh, piece of wood into the oven, he all the bread that was cooked in that uh, in that uh, in that um, time of baking uh, would be permitted since the the uh, this the whole purpose of this rule is simply to make clear that the uh, bread of goyim is prohibited. That's why even the smallest act of participation by a Jew uh, to the bread makes it mutar. Now we'll move to a more general topic. That topic is uh, cooking that is um, done by a goy, something that is also very, very relevant. Uh, for us today. Halacha yod dalit. Goy shebishel anu yain o halav o devash o perishin vechayoseb ba'elu mikol davar hanechal kemot shehu hai hare elu mutarin. A goy that cooked or boiled for us wine, milk, honey, or perishin uh, is some, ty- some type of fruit or anything of this sort that is usually eaten raw. It is permitted, even though the goy cooked, cooked it for us. Hachamim only made a gezerah and prohibited foods that are not usually eaten raw, for example, meat, or unsalted fish, eggs, or vegetables, and if a goy cooked them from beginning to end, and a Jew did not participate with him in the cooking, these items cooked by the goy are prohibited because of, because of the prohibition of bishule goyim of uh, cooking done by a goy. When does this apply? This applies only regarding food that is served at a table of kings, dignitaries, or other important people. Um, yes. That is, yes, that would typically be eaten uh, with bread, for example, meat, eggs or fish or anything of that sort, again, that would be served uh, to important people. However, 
food items that would not be served uh, to at a table of kings and dignitaries, and that they would eat um, that they would eat that item with um, together with bread. For example, tulmusin. Tulmusin are um, terpines in English. It's some type of uh, of legume that is cooked by goyim, even though they are not typically eaten um, raw. Um, they would be permitted if the goy uh, boiled them or cooked them because, again, they would not be served at a table of dignitaries. And anything of this sort that would, again, uh, not be served at a table of dignitaries even though it is not usually eaten raw. Sheikar ha mishum hatnut shelo yizammeno ha goy etzlo bis'uda ve'davar she'eno ole al shulchan melachin le'echol bo et ha'pad en adam mezammen et havero alav Since the root and reason for the gezerah was because of hatnut, was because we are afraid to intermingle and marry uh, with the goyim. Uh, and we don't want the goy to invite the Jew to him, uh, to his house rather, um, for a meal. And anything that is would not be served at a table of dignitaries that they would eat with bread, um, one would not invite uh, the Jew over to eat it with them. Therefore, if again, the goy invites, rather, sorry, if the goy cooks something that is not served at a table of dignitaries, um, the Jew would be uh, permitted to eat it, even though it is um, not usually eaten raw. Just to sum up this halakha, bishule uh, goyim are prohibited for things that are not typically eaten raw, and also would be served at a table of dignitaries and would be eaten uh, with bread, for example, meat, fish, or eggs. However, on the flip side, bishule goyim would be permitted when the food item is eaten raw, or if it is not served to a table of dignitaries, or if it is not typically eaten with uh, with bread. Halachat tetzayin. Dagim ketanim shemelachan Yisrael ogoy harehen kemoshem nitbashelu mikesat bishul veim tselayan goy aharkach mutarim. Small fish that were salted by a Jew or by a goy. It's as if they are they were cooked a little bit, and then if the goy uh, roasted them or boiled them or, or um, put them on the fire, they would be uh, permitted. Because the salting of the fish was, again, considered the beginning of the cooking process for these, um, for these smaller fish. Even though the goy is the one who puts them on the fire and does that and does the... Um, the typical cooking processes all himself, since the Jew again participated in a little bit of the um, of the cooking process, which was the salting, um, the fish would be uh, permitted. But if the Jew didn't, but if they were not um, salted by the Jew, and the goy salted it totally, and the goy totally, and the goy himself put it on the fire and cooked it himself again without the Jew participating in the um, in the cooking process, those fish would be prohibited. And any item that the Jew participated a little bit in the cooking process, whether at the beginning or at the end, the food would be permitted. Now, regarding this halakha, there is a disagreement regarding exactly what this means. There are some that mean that that say that 
there are some that say yes, that this means that there must be an active participation by the Jew in the real cooking process, not simply like what we mentioned for bread, that a Jew would simply need to put um, a piece of wood in the fire uh, for the oven that is that the um, that the food item is being cooked in. Rather, it must um, rather when that what this halacha is talking about that again any food item that a Jew participates a little bit in the cooking um, must refer to an actual part of the cooking process. This is the opinion of Rabbi Yosef Karo, but the Radbaz disagrees and says that this din is is exactly the same thing as baking bread and one would only need um, some type of a way to signify that it is not uh, totally cooked that the food item is not um, is that as we mentioned with bread that the only reason that we need a Jew to participate even even a passive type of participation is to show that the bread of goyim is prohibited and the same applies for this uh, food for any other types of food according to the Radbaz. Just again to read Harambam, Harambam says, Any uh, food item that the Jew participated a little bit in its uh, in the cooking process, uh, whether at the beginning, whether at the end, would be permitted. Uh, I'm not sure um, exactly what Harambam means. Again, the two opinions were from Rabbi Yosef Karo on the, in the case of Mishneh and the Radbaz, but for Halakha Maaseh, one should follow uh, their community practice. Lefikach, im yiniyach ha-goy basar, o kedera agabe ha-esh, ve-hafach Yisrael ba-basar, ve-higis ba-kedera, o sheniyach Yisrael ve-gamar ha-goy, ha-reze mutar. Therefore, if a goy left a piece of meat um, in a pot on a fire, and the Jew flipped over the piece of meat, or mixed the pot, or if the Jew simply placed the pot on the fire and the goy did the rest, the the dish would be permitted. Dag goy shiran Fish that were smoked by a goy, or sorry, fish that was salted by a goy, or fruit that were smoked until they're ready to be eaten. Would be permitted. Regarding salting, salting is not like a boiling item regarding this gezera, and smoking is not considered um, to be cooked, as we mentioned that it would be the case with basar behalav. Also regarding kelayot. Uh, Kelayot are certain types of uh, seeds or um, or nuts uh, that would simply need to be roasted to be eaten. Um, so these kelayot, uh, also it could be, some some interpret this to be some type of corn. So these kelayot um, of goyim are permitted and hachamim did not prohibit these because an individual would not invite his friend uh, to eat um, some uh, regarding peas, lentils, and beans, and anything of this sort, that are boiled 
and sold by goyim. Asurin mishum bishule goyim bemakom sheolin al shulchan melachim mishum parperet are prohibited because of the prohibition of an item being cooked by goyim only in a place that they would be served on a table of dignitaries and would be eaten um, with bread. Umishum giude goyim bechol makom, but they would also be uh, prohibited since the since they are cooked by goyim in all places since we suspect that these lentils beans and peas and anything similar to that would be cooked along with meat or in a dish that was that meat was cooked inside it so to cakes or donuts that are fried in Oil. Asurin af mishum gi'ule goyim are also prohibited since because of this prohibition of gi'ule goyim that uh, the goyim used uh, these pots to cook um, not kosher items. That cooked something unintentionally and did not intend uh, to cook would be permitted for a Jew to eat this food item. How so? If a goy set fire to a grass field uh, in order to get rid of the grass and uh, unintentionally and and uh, and by by that effect, um, kosher uh, crickets or um, or insects were um, were cooked by this fire, even though it was started by by a goy. It these crickets would be permitted, um, even in a place that they would not, even in a place that they would be served um, by they would be served to a dignitary and would be eaten with bread. And as we mentioned before, that hagarim don't require shahita. That's why if you simply roast them. They would be permitted to be eaten after. So too, if um, an animal's head was singed uh, by a goy to remove the hair on it, it would be permitted to eat the dangling flesh um, from the animal and from the uh, ends of its ears that were uh, roasted while it w- while the goy put it. Uh, on the fire to singe and remove the hair. <laughs> Dates that were uh, boiled by goyim. If they were already sweet before being boiled by the goy, these dates would be permitted even though the goy boiled them already. But if they were bitter and the cooking and boiling caused them to be sweet, the, these dates would be prohibited. And if they were not uh, sweet nor bitter after the goy boiled them, uh, sorry, before the goy boiled them, and the goy boiled them and they, uh, they became sweet, they would be prohibited. Roasted lentils that were uh, needed. Pretty much, um, they used to make flour out of lentils that were um, that were grinded, and they would make some type of oatmeal. After they would mix it uh, with either water or uh, or vinegar. Sometimes, yes. And chachamim, yes. Yes. 
So Kalishal Adashim Shilasho, roasted lentils that were made into flour and kneaded, Ben Bamayim Ben Bahomis Hareze Asur. Whether they were kneaded with water or with vinegar, they would be prohibited. But roasted uh, wheat or roasted barley that were kneaded with water would be, obviously roasted by the goy, uh, would be uh, permitted. Halakha kaf bet. Shemen shela goyim mutar. Oil. Uh, that is sold by goyim is permitted. Anyone who prohibits oil um, of goyim is transgressing uh, in a very significant way because he is violating what bedin said as bedin permitted this. And the bedin that permitted this was the bedin of Rabbi Yudah Hanasi, who um, originally, Chachamim prohibited oil of goyim, but the Betin of Rabbi nullified this prohibition because it did not spread uh, to the entirety of the Jewish people. This is in the, uh, this can be found in the Talmud Bavli, Masichet Abu Dazara, Daf Lamed Vav, Amud Aleph. And there is an interesting story, uh, I believe, with Rav and Shemuel, that Rav came to Shemuel and Shemuel gave him oil that he. Uh, purchased from Goyim, and Rav didn't want to eat, or, or yeah, he didn't want to eat this oil. And Shemuel told him that if he does not eat this oil, he will take him to Bedin, since he is violating what the Bedin ruled that uh, the oil of Goyim is permitted. Even if the oil was cooked by Goyim, the oil would be permitted and would not be prohibited because of the cooking of Goyim, because oil is eaten raw, and not because of Giule Goyim, since meat that was previously cooked in a, in a pot and was absorbed in the pot and then extra and then um, and then imparts a flavor in the oil would cause um, a negative flavor in the oil and cause it to spoil and smell bad therefore again oil of goyim is permitted even if it was cooked by a goy so too honey of goyim that was cooked and made into a type of sweetener is permitted because of the reason mentioned um, for oil. Halakha kavdalit. Kuspan shela goyim shu hamu hamav. Kuspan is a type of um, residue that's left after olives, uh, um, after sorry, after sesame seeds are um, are crushed, that um, would be boiled with water in order to remove. Uh, more um, more residue from it. That's kuspan. So kuspan shela goyim shehu hamu hamav. Kuspan of goyim that were boiled. Um, yes, if it was boiled or stewed. Ben beyora gedola, ben beyora ketana. Mutar, whether it was in a large or small cauldron or pot is permitted. Mutar, mipeneshe noten tam livgamhu. Since it, uh, since the, the, um, since yes, this cooking and putting it in this this type of dish would 
um, impart a negative flavor. So to pickled vegetables that are usually prepared without vinegar or wine or pickled olives or locusts or uh, crickets that are taken directly from the storehouse are permitted. But on the other hand, locusts and pickles over which wine is poured are forbidden. But they are also prohibited if they were, uh, if vinegar rather, or uh, beer are uh, poured on them, they would also be prohibited. Why then did Hachamim forbid uh, beer um, that was fermented um, of Goyim? Because the fact is, is that they put Shimre um, Yain into, um, into the beer. And Shimre Yain is the... Um, the residue that's the thick, thick residue that was left at the bottom of the wine barrel that water would, yes, that water would be mixed with this type of residue um, and it would be sold as a second degree, um, a second degree wine. That's Shimre Yain. And the reason Shekhar uh, of Goyim is prohibited is because the Goyim would typically throw in the Shimreyain in the Shekhar. Therefore, fermented beer that is taken from the storehouse is permitted. Now, Muryas is um, a type of, it was a type of dip that was made out of juices of fish that uh, was mixed with uh, salt. And they would typically use this as a dip with bread. As if anyone... Uh, remembers, we saw this in Hilchot Eruvin and in Hilchot Sisit. So that's Muryas. So Muryas, Bemakom She Darkana Yain, Asur Muryas, this type of dip that typically, that if it, that in a place that wine is poured in the dip is prohibited. But if the wine was more expensive than the muryas itself and it was poured in it, it would be permitted. So this, again, this ruling applies in all similar cases that we suspect that the goy may have added forbidden things to the food since no one would add an expensive ingredient to a cheap substance because he would incur a loss. But the fact is, is that he would add a cheap ingredient to an expensive substance where the goy in that case would profit. Now we'll move to the topic of educating one's child in regards to ma'achalot asurot. A minor who ate one of the forbidden foods or did a melacha on Shabbat, Bedin is not instructed to stop him since he is not mature enough and his mind, uh, he is not, yes, his mind isn't mature enough to make him responsible according to Jewish law. When does this apply? This applies only in a situation that he violated the law 
um, on his own. But for someone to deliberately feed him would be prohibited, even things that are prohibited from rabbinic law. So too it is prohibited to educate and condition one's child uh, to violate Shabbat and the holidays, even for things that are uh, prohibited, Mishum, Shavuot, that are only Mitakanat Hachamim. Halacha Kafhet. Aval Pishet and Bedin Mesuvin Hafrish et Hakatan, Misval Haav Ligo Orbo Ul Hafrisho, Kedele Hanecho, Bigdusha, Ufrisha, Heneemar Hanochla Nar al Pi Darko. Even though Bedin is not instructed to stop the, the minor, it is a misva for a father to reprove his son and to stop him in order to educate him in the ways of uh, sanctity and uh, distancing oneself from um, from Isurim, from violating the law. As the Torah, as sorry, as Sefer Mishle Perekavbet says, that one must educate and train a minor based on his path. And Alpid Darko is a reference, can be interpreted um, in a couple of different ways. That Harambam here uses it as, as a reference of Darko, of his way, meaning the path of HaKadosh Baruch Hu on um, the path of Kedusha and Perisha. Halacha Kaftet. Now, the last topic of the chapter and the last topic of Hilchot Machot Asurot is protecting and guarding one's body and treating one's body in the proper way. Hachamim also prohibited one to eat foods and drinks that the majority that would be revolting to the majority of people. For example, drinks and food that were mixed with vomit or uh, excrement or any other type of disgusting uh, excretion or... Um, that an individual, yes, um, may um, remove from his uh, from his body and anything of this sort. So too, Hachamim prohibited one to eat from filthy and disgusting utensils that an individual would be disgusted from them. For example, utensils used in a bathroom or glass um, vessels that were uh, that used by barbers to collect blood and anything of that sort if they're uh, the individual getting the haircut would bleed. So too, Chachamim forbade one to eat um, while his hands are disgusting or um, on vet, on uh, utensils or vessels that are dirty. As all of these prohibitions fall under the category of the prohibition of not to make uh, yourself uh, abominable. And anyone who eats any of these foods that we mentioned or any uh, excrement or anything that we mentioned before would be liable for would be liable for punishment um, for violating a rabbinic uh, prohibition. So too, it is forbidden for an individual to, to delay in going to the bathroom. Ben gedolin, ben ketanim, whether um, they are large, whether they are small, whether to remove a lot of waste from his body or a little bit of waste. 
Nekavav hare zebichlav meshakes et nafsho. And one who does, in fact, delay from going to the bathroom is someone who um, makes himself abominable. Yater al cholaim raim sheavi al atzmovit hayev menafsho. And this is not to mention the severe illnesses that one um, endangers his life with when he uh, delays in going to the bathroom. This is actually true from a medical uh, perspective. One should never delay. Um, his body uh, from excreting the things that he needs to excrete. Rather, he should accustom himself to um, remove these uh, the excrement from his body at designated times in order for him not to um, be distanced from other people and not abom- not make himself abominable. And when we say distance himself from other people, uh, it's pretty much because um, of the unpleasant smell that may um, that may uh, come out as a result of an individual not um, going at the proper time. bet final halacha of the chapter in asurot Anyone who is careful with all of these things uh, regarding. Um, both ma'achalot asurot and taking care of one's body and his functions uh, b- brings in and adds an additional um, element of kedusha and tahara, of sanctity and purity to his nefesh, to his mind, and cleans himself uh, with uh, the purpose of serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu. As the Torah says that you shall therefore become sanctified and sanctify yourselves and be kadosh, be sanctified. For I, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, am sanctified. And with that, we finish uh, this very, very important treatise of Hilchot Machalot Asurot. And Bezat Hashem, um, we will finish up Sefer Kedusha um, in the coming days. Baruch Adonai Amen Amen.